do, I want to let you know that this morning, I am really excited. Like more than normal, I'm excited. Do you wonder why? Yes. Ask me why. why. Oh wow, you guys are really responsive. I like that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. It's not just because my football team won their rivalry game last night. Although they did, and that's a wonderful thing, right? Um, it's also not just because I got out in the bright sunshine on Friday when it was warm and bright and comfortable and I got all my Christmas lights up ahead of time and so I feel like I'm ahead of the game. That's true, but that's not why I'm most excited this morning. I'm actually excited this morning because we're coming to the climax of this series, Mirror, Mirror. And all along, kind of as we've walked through the book of James, we've tried to really take to heart that image that James gave us in the first chapter, right? That when we hear the word of God, we don't just walk away and do nothing about it. That's like someone walking away from a mirror and forgetting what they've seen, and that's foolish. But that no, when we hear God's word, there are steps that we take and practical things that we do to put into practice what it is God's word has been uh, sharing with us. And we've been doing that. We've been meeting groups and, and uh, taking steps and all those sorts of things. Today, though, we kind of hit the climax because today we're going to get the opportunity to bless our city in a massively generous way. And today we're going to love our neighbors. We're going to take the initiative to address some of the tangible and practical needs that exist in our city and to do something about them and to give towards them and to see that people who are in distress and people who are in need are having those needs met. And I'm excited about how that's going to play out. That, um, it fires me up just a little bit. Um, I was thinking back to a time, I think it was fourth or fifth grade for me, I'm not exactly sure, but right around there, I kind of got bit by the astronomy bug. I had a science teacher who was like really cool and really inspiring, and he talked a lot about science and stars and planets and stuff, and I started getting really into it. And then one day, he said, hey, we're going to talk about black holes. I said, just as a phrase, that's pretty cool. What fourth or fifth grader isn't going to get pretty jacked up about black holes as an idea? And he described this thing that exists when really large stars kind of come to the end of their lifespan and all of the mass of that star condenses down to a single finite, infinitesimally small point in the universe and all that mass gets compressed and it's dense and it's so it's got all the, all the mass in that one little spot and so it's got this incredible gravity, right? So, so much gravity that just starts sucking things in, right? So like portions of the universe start circling the drain around this one spot of super high gravity and pretty soon anything around its influence is just getting drawn in to the intense gravitational pull of that. And it's so intense that even light rays that are nearby are, are bent towards it and as light goes into this intense gravitational pull of a black hole, light goes in, nothing comes out. It's utter darkness. And, uh, and I thought, what a fascinating thing. Now we're talking about James this morning. James, as we've talked about, he's writing to a group of believers, right? And when he looks at these believers, he sees a number of things. He sees that, yes, they've been through some trials and they've been through some tribulations. But notwithstanding all those trials and tribulations, God is blessing them in a number of ways. He's at work in their trials, right? Using those trials to mature them so that they can be joyful. There are those who are being made humble by their circumstances, and God, we're told through James, is exalting the humble. And now in chapter 5, what we're going to read is that despite the troubles, God has actually been blessing some of those people. 
And some of the people are actually receiving or have been blessed financially, like they're doing really well where money is concerned. And as James looks at that, he, he sees that some of those who are financially blessed are not handling it well. And I'm pretty sure I'm not absolutely certain. I'd have to go check some of the early historical documents. I don't think James knew what a black hole was. <laughs> He's in the first century. They hadn't really developed those yet. But what he sees in these people is remarkably like a black hole. See, James knows that when God blesses people, and when he blesses us, he, just does, he doesn't just bless us for our own enjoyment. He doesn't just call us to sit and bask and absorb and soak in God's blessing and hold on to them all to ourselves and never let any of them escape black out. When, when God blesses people, he does it with the expectation that they're going to enjoy the blessing and then send it outward from themselves to bless other people. And James is looking at a group of people who are not doing that with their financial blessings. They have become black holes of blessing. The blessings of God go to them and they stay there never to escape. And what James is going to suggest is that being a black hole of blessing is not a good thing. It's not just that it's wrong, it's dangerous. And so here is what James says to those people. He says, now listen, uh, you rich people. Which, by the way, doesn't that just cry out for like a little more tone of voice? <laughs> now listen, you rich people. Okay? He's getting in their face a little bit. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Don't you love starting a morning with a call to weep and wail because of the impending misery? Like, I can feel the love in the room. You're starting to really latch on to what God's doing here. He says this, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold, your silver, they're corroded and their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And I'm like, man, James, that's pretty harsh. Like, James is pretty upset with the rich people that he's talking to, right? And, and I, we kind of have to ask the question, what's the problem? Why is James so upset with these people? Why is he so mad that way? Is, uh, is James mad at them because they're rich? Is maybe James going through a little tight period in his own finances, and he looks at others that have more than he does, and he's kind of got the class envy thing going on, and he's just ticked off at them for having more than he does or is something else going on I'm going to say no it's something else is going on because here's the thing it's not about the fact that they are rich that's, that's just the objective reality but what's really going on is found in the last line of that passage where he says you have hoarded your wealth in the last day the problem isn't that they're rich the problem isn't that God has blessed them financially the problem is that having been blessed by God financially they're not doing anything with it they're just holding on to it. They're hoarding his blessings. Now, let me tell you, there are a lot of ways to misunderstand and to misapply scripture. There are lots of them. I want to tell you the number one way that this particular passage gets misinterpreted and misapplied. And it's this. It's the thought that probably ran through a lot of our minds as we read that passage. Man, I'm glad I'm not rich. <laughs> that passage doesn't apply to me. Right? And can I just say, that's wrong. You, you know who just dismisses this passage because they're not rich? Poor people who just barely have enough to survive, they do that. Comfortably middle class people do that as well. 
and, and rich people who aren't yet as rich as they would like to be or hope to be do the exact same thing. It doesn't matter where you are socioeconomically. We have this tendency to go, I'm not rich. I don't have to worry about that passage of scripture. And I simply want to say that when we do that, we're wrong. We are rich. The fact that we could get here this morning because we have some time in our schedule and the fact that we, most of us probably drove a motorized vehicle to get here. Those are the kinds of realities that would put us up at the top of the heap on the world scale for being blessed and for being rich, right? And we can go on and on with the statistics that way, but I'll say we are rich. And by the way, this passage, although James is talking about finances and financial wealth and blessing, the same principle applies to all kinds of blessings, right? Finances is not the only way that God blesses people. And financial success is not always a sign of God's blessing. Be careful about identifying those two too closely together. But beyond just financial blessings, God blesses in all kinds of ways. And this, this passage isn't just about the financial ways. It actually gives us a principle for how we handle all of God's blessings. Are, are we supposed to just hoard God's blessings as he gives them to us? Like a black hole? Or are we intended to then radiate those blessings out towards others? You may not recognize it, but you're blessed. We are. I want to speak specifically to those of us who are followers of Jesus in this room today. This is what Paul is writing about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. What does that mean? It means that if you're a follower of Christ, God created you, that Jesus loves you, that he calls to you, that he died for you, that he's filled you with his spirit, that he's promised you abundant life here and now and eternal life moving forward. He's given you all of these spiritual blessings and potentially, maybe, or maybe not, there's a financial component to that as well. The idea, though, is this. God's purposes for those blessings don't end with you. It was in um, John chapter 8 that Jesus said, described himself in his role, and he said, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew 5, when he's talking to his disciples, he makes it clear that those who would follow him have a similar duty to bring light and clarity and blessing into a dark world when he says, you are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. See, Jesus comes and he comes to shatter the darkness and to be the light of the world. And then he tells his followers that if you are not the end game that I had in mind, I didn't do this just to make your life brighter and sunnier and warmer. I did this so that having made so that you can then in turn make the life, make the world brighter, sunnier, and warmer for others. And so now James comes and he describes this hoarding of wealth. That is, this holding on to one's blessings instead of investing them in the process of blessing others. And James says this is not God's plan. That's not how it's supposed to work. And James describes a little bit a couple of things that happens to those who are these black holes of blessing. And the first thing he says is the blessings will rot. Like the tighter we hold on to them and the more we try to care for them and just hold on to God's blessings just for ourselves and not share them, 
they'll just begin to evaporate and rot and go bad. And in this, Jesus was really just moving along with what Jesus had said about the nature of earthly possessions, right? Because Jesus had said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. First of all, we just don't use the word vermin enough. I love that word. <laughs> Some words just make you feel uncomfortable and kind of twitch, and I feel like vermin is one of them. And, and Jesus' point, and James reflects it as well, is that the tighter and the closer we hold on to God's blessings and try and make sure we don't lose them or leak them, the more we do that, the more access we grant to the vermin and to the moths or to the rust or whatever it is that's going to corrode and to destroy those blessings. Our, in, our intent is to hold on to them, maintain them, not lose them. And in fact, we're actively involved in destroying them if we hold them with a closed hand. James says something else will happen as well to those who are black holes of blessing, who don't release them to others. He says... They will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Well, that sounds nice, <laughs> right? Like, I'm not exactly sure how that's going down. I just know I don't want any part of that. It doesn't sound comfortable at all. James is making it real clear. There's a judgment that, that exists that stands over those who will hoard God's blessings to themselves and not release them to bless others. This is the judgment that we'll experience if we fail to realize that the blessings God has given us are not designed to stop with us, but they're designed to be passed forward to others. And so James goes on. He says, look, the wages that you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields, they're crying out against you. Hold that slide there. I was preparing for the message this week and I ran across this verse. And that's the moment that I realized, oh my gosh, the guy that mows my lawn for me, I haven't paid him in a couple months. I'm way behind. <laughs> it was so convicting. <laughs> so sometimes you read the scripture and you go, I better apply that right now. Because <laughs> I might end up talking to a, to a couple hundred people at a time about something I haven't done yet and that would be horribly awkward. So that was my special moment this week. Okay. You would be exhausted to live in my mind, by the way. It's a, it's an, <laughs> look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters, they've reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the days of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. You have held on to God's financial blessings in your life and not extended them to those in need and you're guilty of some horrible stuff and you stand in judgment. That is James's point. And what I think James understands is this, it's a, that a failure to bless others and to help to alleviate their suffering, it's not just selfishness, right? But it reveals a failure to understand how, God, how deeply God has blessed us. If we can receive the various blessings that God has given us and not then turn and use them to bless others. Again, that's true financially. It's true of the spiritual blessings as well. If we can just receive God's grace and love and salvation but not be compelled to help share that with other people. If it, what it realizes doesn't just mean that we're selfish and self-centered. It means that we haven't truly appreciated what God has done for us in the first place. 
Jesus in Matthew 18 told the story of the unmerciful servant, right? The guy who owed his master a lifetime debt that he could never repay. And the master graciously forgave him the debt and said, don't even worry about it. Consider the debt canceled. And the guy was like, awesome, thanks. Then he went and got a guy that owed him like 20 bucks. And he was getting ready to throw this guy in prison for the 20 bucks that was owed him. And Jesus said when the master found out about that, he grabbed that guy and brought him on back and he was not happy. And that, that man was under judgment. Not because of his original debt, but because he failed to appreciate the enormity of God's grace in forgiving his own debt. He failed to appreciate the enormity of the blessing he'd received, and he demonstrated he didn't appreciate it because he wasn't able to pass it on to somebody else. James is saying the same thing for us, where all of God's blessings are concerned. If we fully appreciate them, if we really do understand what God has done for us at all levels, we will be cheerfully compelled and motivated to step forward and extend those blessings to others. So how do we apply this? What do we do about this? What do we do? I mentioned earlier that I'm excited today because of what we're going to do. Something amazing that's going to take place today, and this is it. Today, as a church, we're going to take some of our financial resources that God has blessed us with, and instead of hoarding it and hanging on to it and storing it with ourselves, we are going to give it away. We're going to love our neighbors here in our city by giving to some truly awesome nonprofit groups that are doing amazing work here in Spokane and around the world as well. So what we want to do today is we want to unleash like a wave of intentional generosity on our city. A wave that has its beginnings in the generosity and the blessings of God and has its culmination in the way that we love our neighbors by supporting groups that are meeting needs here in the city. Today we want to kind of ask and answer the question, what would happen if together we got super intentional about saying God has blessed us with so much, we're going to bless our city with as much of it as we can. And so today we are hoping to raise $20,000 like, not you personally. You're not responsible for all 20. It's okay. Man, talk about taking the air out of the room. Woof. <laughs> but really, what we want to do is unleash generosity in a way that dynamically impacts our city in a powerful way. 100% of this offering will be given away. It will flow through the church, yes, but it will flow directly through and out into the community and bless groups and ministries and organizations that are meeting the needs of those who are distressed all around. And that's what's exciting. We're going to get to do that together. Now, here's the thing. I, I will tell you this, that in some churches, I would be so tempted to take the passages that we read in James and phrases like fire-eating flesh and vermin and manipulate and speak some guilt into your life and try and twist your arm and get you to give to something that you maybe didn't want to but you feel you ought to because God might not be happy with you if you didn't. Can I just say this? That happens lots in some places. I am grateful to be part of a church where that's absolutely unnecessary. This church, I, just, I want to commend us this church has a long and a very powerful history of understanding that the blessings God has given us just get funneled through and we meet needs in this city. When this church becomes aware of needs that are out there, this church has always been super responsive, super generous, and super passionate about helping and serving 
in the city. And I love that that's the truth. I love that that's who we are. I love that we get to be that kind of church together. And that when we give and when we step up to a challenge like this, it's not out of some twisted, weird, dysfunctional sense of obligation and guilt, but it's about a passionate embrace of wanting to see the love of God accurately communicated to people who need it. And y'all, we all do a great job with that. But sometimes even when that's already our impulse, like it's already in our DNA, we're people here who totally respond to things like that, but it's difficult to know. So I want to do good things and I want to reach out and I want to make a difference. Which organizations are good organizations? Which organizations are getting the job done? Which organizations, um, which organizations uh, run lean administratively so that when we give to them, that money gets to the, where the problem is, not to the administration, right? How do we know? Well, here's the deal. This morning, in just a little bit at the end of the service, we're going we're to do a special offering. We're calling it a Love Your Neighbor offering. And that, this offering is going to be distributed to eight different groups here in the community uh, that we're going to bless together. And all of these are groups that we know well, not just organizationally as a church, but they're groups that we know well and personally. They're groups that we vetted for how they run their operations. We know that these are groups who work do excellent work, they care for people, they love people, they meet needs, they're well run, they're well managed, they're ministries that we partner with, they're ministries that we believe in, they're ministries that we say, hey, when we give to this, we're giving to the activity of God here in our city, and that motivates us, and it makes us excited. And so I'm not gonna talk about all eight, but I wanna highlight some of the things of some of those organizations so that we can maybe get a feel and a sense for where this $20,000 we'd like to raise is gonna go. One of those organizations is Serve Spokane. They're headquartered right across the parking lot on the, on the building right over on this side. Um, we've been closely connected with them for years and years and years. They exist to share God's love in our community by serving people in need in very practical ways. So they, they've got a clothing pantry, they've got a food pantry. They do an amazing job with these things. They don't just distribute food and clothing, they love people as they distribute food and clothing to those who are in need. They're the third largest food pantry in Spokane County. And last year they helped distribute over 455,000 pounds of food. They did that to over 16,700 people representing well over 5,000 families. Those, those are people in our community who are being impacted and blessed and we wanna be a part of supporting that. Um, a while back, we kind of helped to we helped them to build like a kind of a reception area so that when pe when the people that they love and are caring for really well are waiting, they don't have to wait outside, kind of in the rain and in the snow and the stuff. Well, they're serving so many people that they've outgrown that facility and the line is back out the door and into the rain and into the snow. So one of the things we want to do with this offering is help them uh, put together like a retractable awning that would cover the people who have to wait outside so that they can stay dry and warm and comfortable while they're waiting. That's a practical way to say, community, we love you. We want to be a part of meeting your needs. Another organization that we want to, this offering to go towards is Bite to Go. And they address um, the reality of food insecure kids right here in our community. These are kids who are um, midweek, who through the school week are dependent on the reduced lunch and the free lunch programs at the school. But bite to go understands that those kids go home for the weekend. And a lot of times, absent the school programs that get them through the week, there are very few meals for them to eat over the weekend. bite to go provides four meals for a child so that uh, over the course of the weekend so that they can go home and be, uh, be well-fed over the course of the weekend and be ready to go again on Monday morning. What a great practical way to meet the needs of kids that way, right? Um, the closest elementary school to us, which is Evergreen, 
um, has roughly 60% of their students rely on those reduced uh, and free lunch programs. Um, and we wanna, we wanna make sure that all of them have the ability to be supported by Bites to Go as well. So we're hoping to get up to the goal of having 100 kids sponsored every weekend, and part of this offering would go to that as well. Partners International is another organization we've talked about quite a bit. They're church planters uh, primarily. They actually, they reach out and do evangelism in the hardest and the least uh, resourced places in the world. Places that have typically about a 3% Christian witness in there. So less, 3% or less of the people in these communities are already Christian and they're trying to plant churches, churches and, and evangelize that way. There's a lot of persecution and hardship that goes along with that. We have for years, a number of years now, supported some, through Partners International, some church planters in Sumatra. They've, um, uh, we've helped uh, in the past support them by uh, helping them to fill their portable libraries, which they use as locations for doing evangelisms and things like that. We want to continue to support them. We're actually talking about in the next year or so, maybe putting together a team of people from North Church to actually go over to visit with them, to support them, to love them, and to continue to help them with what they're doing and help us stay connected with them relationally. We want to keep that relationship going forward as we make an impact there in Sumatra. The Union Gospel Mission is another, uh, another organization that we're partnering with in this offering, specifically their Women and Children's Crisis Center. Um, this is a place where women and children who are desperate and have nowhere else to go find love, they find care, they find resourcing, they find training, they find a place to stay, they can get back up on their feet. Nationally, um, families are making up about a third of the homeless population and that percentage continues to rise. Um, the vast majority of homeless families are made up of a single mom who's 30 years old or younger and an average of two kids. Out of options, out of places to go, needing love, needing care, needing support. UGM Crisis Shelter does that. At their crisis shelter, the ladies, uh, it ranged there from their late teens to their late 70s. And for the vast majority of them, there's significant abuse and neglect that's just the heartbeat of their tale. Uh, last year, as they were uh, moving into a new facility, we helped financially. We kind of sponsored one of the rooms that they were putting together that a family's been staying in. We'd love to do that again and get another room sponsored as a part of this offering because we really believe on the level and the kind of care and the way that people are um, experiencing God's love for them at UGM. Project ID is another one of them uh, that we're supporting. Project ID reaches out and helps the, those in the special needs community in our city. And they're doing things that nobody else is doing. They provide multiple opportunities midweek for those with all kinds of disabilities to come together to meet in a safe environment. And they reach out with uh, opportunities for recreation, for socialization, for personal development, and yes, church services, which is super, super cool. You'll recall that we used to have the Friendship Church that met downstairs uh, in our multi-purpose room while we met up here. We love that group. That was a church uh, for those with uh, special needs and disabilities. And it was such an awesome group and they were such a great part of our congregation. The only reason that they're not still here is they outgrew us. The Friendship Church was growing faster than the rest of the church. So maybe good for them, maybe not so great for us. I don't know, but that's something to be really proud of. They outgrew their space, which in the church biz is what you want. Right? You want, to, you want to see people growing in their faith and more people coming and connecting to what's going on, right? And that was happening, and then they just couldn't fit. And so Project ID said, we've got some space. These are, this is a community that we're familiar with dealing with. Why, why don't we have the 
why don't we have the Friendship Church meet as a part of our ministry there? And that's where they continue to meet today. And they continue to grow. It's wonderful. We want to support a ministry like that. Life Services is another uh, organization that we want to support because it meets an important need that exists in our community. Addressing the needs and providing hope and support to empower those facing an unplanned pregnancy and to help them to do that with the help and the love of Jesus Christ. They provide not just compassion, but long-term Christ-centered support to young women who find themselves in an unwanted pregnancy situation. Over the past several years, they've had you know, over 30 girls come through their maternity home, helping them enter parenthood successfully and to work towards healthier lifestyles moving forward. Over 26 years in Spokane, Life Services um, has guided hundreds towards Christ-based abortion recovery ministry. And along the way, they've trained and deployed hundreds of volunteers as client advocates, as nurses, as home hosts, as respite house parents, as mentors, and community and, uh, ambassadors. They've given those who are considering terminating their pregnancy another option, an option filled with hope, the ability to bring to full term a life that they hadn't planned on, but which has become God's will. And so this is just a sampling of the different kinds of ministries and the different great work that we want to support with this offering. And so how are we going to do it? How are we going to just infuse $20,000 of cash to do the kinds of things we just saw and that we just talked about? Well, how we're going to do it is $39 at a time. If everyone in attendance today gave $39 in the offering we're about to receive, we would reach $20,000. Now the mathematical among us are looking around the room going, nope, not gonna work. It's okay, we have a second service. There's a nine o'clock service. <laughs> so when you put it all together, the math plays out. So don't worry yourself on that count. What we're really interested in though, more than just a number or hitting a bar or anything else like that, is what we want is 100% participation. We want to be an entire church of people who refuse to be black holes of blessing, but who actually step in and participate at some level in blessing our community this way today as part of this endeavor. And so the fact of the matter is this. There are some of us who are here today for whom like $39 today is a pipe dream. There's no way you can get there. And that's real. And I just want to say that's okay. This is not a guilt thing. Don't, um, don't feel bad about that. If you can't do $39 today, do what you can. And if that's not very much, it matters because you're given out of your heart and of what you do have, right? The other truth is this, that there are many of us here for whom $39 is an embarrassingly low number given the kind of things that we're trying to accomplish. And so we're asking those for whom $39 is really easy to maybe do more than that. Maybe add a zero. Maybe add a couple of zeros. Heck, add a third zero. Let's just get crazy. <laughs> right? Because what 100% participation means is that we want to be, nobody is a black hole of, of blessing. Everyone's saying, hey, here's what I can do. And, and when we do that, we're going to make an enormous, imagine the impact that will be made as we step up to this particular challenge. So 100% participation is what we're looking for. And just again, the reminder that... Um, you know, earlier in the service, we did our regular offering, right? So, like, running the church and lights and rooms and salaries and everything else, that's all taken care of. This is not going towards that. This offering, what we're going to do here in just a couple of moments, all of it 
gets extended and sent outside of the church 100% to be given to the particular um, organizations that we're talking about. And so for me, that's super inspiring. This is our chance to say what we've always said is true of North Church. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the community. And we're going to get to put some feet to that today. So how are we going to do it? Well, here you go. Some of you are traditional givers, right? It's like checks and cash are your thing. So if that's you, if you're a traditional giver, when we're done with the service, right outside in the lobby, there's, you'll see different people standing underneath balloons. People standing under the green balloons are ready to get, get you an envelope to put a, a check or cash in and get that directed toward this offering. That's for the traditional givers, okay? Some of you are the plastic givers, right? Haven't carried a checkbook in years, but you got the debit credit card and you're good to go on that. And you like, and, and you like to swipe, all right? So for the plastic givers, you're gonna look for the white balloons out in the lobby. And there are people underneath the white balloons that are already there with iPads and iPhones and all kinds of devices where you can swipe your card and make a contribution towards this offering and that's gonna be excellent. And then if you're not a traditional giver, and if you're not a plastic giver, you're probably a digital giver, right? And you're very cool and very trendy. We salute you. <laughs> One way you can do that, you don't even have to leave your seat. You can hop on your device, go to our website, you know, northchurch.net. On, on the giving page, you just do like a regular online giving. And when it comes to which, what do you want to give to, you choose love your neighbor, and then that'll get your contribution to where it goes. Or if you're super, super, super digital, you're going to go with the text to give, right? You just whip out your phone, you text the word neighbor to the number that's there on the screen, and that'll set you up, and you can uh, make a contribution that way as well. I think like, that's multiple ways to give. I think there, there, you know, there's some other ways, but, but for now, I think we're going to be all right. Let's not get mired in how. Let's be inspired by why. And the why is there are distressed people with deep needs in our community. We've been blessed to the point where we can do something about it. And when we do it, it's not just that we avoid the judgments of God, it's that we actually show that we appreciate the blessings of God by doing with them what he would like done. So we're going to get to bless a lot of people today. We're going to get the chance to make a big difference. And so you may need, I'm going to pray here in just a moment, and, then I, and I'll send you out to either stay here and do your digital thing or head out there and give in some other ways. You may need a moment or two to talk with a spouse or, or significant other or family member. I don't know, maybe talk to a stranger. That would be fine too. I don't care. You may need a moment just to consider. If you need a couple of days to kind of figure out what God's putting on your heart to do, um, you can, you, all these methods for giving, with the exception of the balloons, will be available um, kind of all week long if you need to. But we're really trying to make the impact today and see what we can do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to speak clearly to your heart. And then I'm going to ask you to do whatever it is that he says. And I can't wait to see how our community is blessed because of it. Heavenly Father, thank you for the deep and abundant blessings you've given us of all varieties. We ask God now that as we think about this contribution we're about to make to those in need in our city and these organizations that help them, God, we want to pray. Would you speak very clearly to our hearts? Would you take us a little bit out past our comfort zone? Would you put something in our heart that requires faith on our parts? And God, would you give us the courage to step up and do whatever it is you're asking of us. And then, God, we also want to pray, as, as we give, would you radically anoint these funds as they go out? 
God, would you use what we're about to give to rescue people who are desperate? Would you use what we're about to give to heal people who are broken and in need? God, would you restore families? Would you keep unborn babies alive? And, and, and uh, God, would you give hope to those who are just um, without hope at the moment because of what we're going to give? Lord, ultimately, we need you to do a miracle through these gifts. Would you anoint them, empower them, and cause your will to be done in Jesus' name? Amen. Now, can we do this in an orderly fashion? I know you're all very eager to run out and do this as quickly as you can. No pushing, no shoving. Kids ministry uh, will hold your kids for a couple extra minutes while you stop by the balloons. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs>